Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The end is uh, near, not just the eschatological end, uh, but the end. The end. Uh, I've got, I think, a coda sermon. I don't know if I'm going to do a summary, but I'm going to finish this up. But I'm going to give us some great principles this morning. I need to ask the crowd over here. And then, and Jamie, you'll have to, you and Jonathan will have to speak really loudly here. And uh, so, Doreen, I'm looking at you. But anyway, and then Joe, if you would just make sure, try and keep those people just did not distracted, and uh, and so uh, so Rusty's really been uh, hanker uh, 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 over there. So anyway, you ever you ever helped anybody out? You ever done a favor? You ever you ever done a good thing? You thought, and it turned into a pile of aggravation. You ever done any, anybody over here? All right, that's most of you. Jamie was already nodding before I got going. Yeah, yeah. You ever caught your mouth doing that? Hey, can you? And you went, yeah, yeah, sure, before you really found out what it was. And, and then, then all of a sudden, man alive, man alive. Back there, Mike's already nodding back there. Yeah, yeah. So Mike's like, yeah, yesterday. And Adreen, you ever done that? You done that? Okay. Ever done, you, ever, you ever, anybody got had a simple job for you, Brother Wade, that was unbelievably complicated? And then you're like, please lose my number. Uh, please lose my number. Uh, Keith's back there. Keith's got two hands and a foot in the air. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Rusty, you? Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just, and we had good intentions, right? We had good intentions. And man, it just goes, goes sideways. Oscar Wilde had a funny little quip that's made its way into the American vernacular. He said, no good deed goes unpunished. And he was kind of a rascal and not a really nice man, but he had a way with words. And, uh, and sometimes you feel that way. You know, we know that's not the case here. And what we're finding at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 is Paul saying, I am an ambassador, high position. Speak for God. Speak the message of God. And when he spoke for God with the message of God, he spoke with the authority of the one who had sent him, ambassador in chains, in bond. He did the right thing, <laughs> and everything went sideways. And he is giving us his perspective inspired by the Holy Spirit that I think will help us faithfully follow Jesus when life is difficult. Faithfully follow Jesus when life is difficult. This is not exhaustive. This will just be representative here, but it'll be a real help to you, I think. If you're willing and able, one last time, let's read these three verses here, Ephesians 6, 19, 20, and 21. As we read together, maybe you got a handout as you came in. You can follow along, and you can take some good notes. It'll be helpful to you. If you have the app, you can read along with me. Verse 19, or excuse me, you can follow along as well. Verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which... <laughs> I am an ambassador in prison, in bonds, in chains, that I may speak, may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The reason I'm here is because I was speaking for Jesus. The reason I want to stay here is because I get to speak for Jesus. That's my point. My point's not to get out of jail. My life gets simpler. My point is to fulfill the calling that God has put on me. Verse 21, that you may also, but that you may also know my affairs, how I do. Uh, Tychicus, a beloved brother, and a faithful minister in the Lord, or Tychicus rather, and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. How do I faithfully follow Jesus when life is difficult? I'm interested in this subject, are you? Because it seems like I can do a lot better if everything's going according to my plan. 
If I got eight things on the checklist and it's the end of the day and I got seven of them done, I feel pretty good. If I'm supposed to be here at 2.30 and I got there at 2.20, I feel pretty good, right? I'm on time a little bit early. What about when it goes sideways and I did exactly the right thing? I don't faithfully follow Jesus when life is difficult. Father, speak to every heart. Help me to preach your word, power, and authority. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you, the great preacher, would preach to our hearts. And help us. Help us as we, as we long to please you and to be faithful even when life is difficult. And I ask you to do that right now. Speak to every heart. Holy Spirit, use me and fill me. May I enunciate well. May I be focused on the message. And I pray, God, that you would work right now. Help us. Wherever we are, whatever's going on in our lives, we pay attention to Scripture, and then as it does its work of dividing and cutting and, and parsing, that we would pay attention as it reveals the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So help us. Help us be honest here. Help us be responding, responsive to the Word and obedient to the message. I pray it all in your son's precious name, and amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Chest, text, text this back here. Here we go. <clears throat> I said last time, I said last time about prayer, and I gave you some things, and it's in your handout and all, from Ephesians that you need to remember, because this flows right into what we're doing, that you should understand there's two things. Prayer ought to characterize the life of the believer, and prayer ought to characterize the life of the church. And I get convicted about both of those and, and doubling down again. And I, I just want this to be true here. I want us to, as we pray for Brother Marsh, as we pray for Sister Jerry, as we pray for Sister Doris, as we pray for our missionaries, that prayer are to characterize it. We shouldn't, shouldn't be a decoration. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be a clanging bangle, bangle on our arms, but it should be the desire and intent of our heart. And I gave you some things just extrapolated from Ephesians that I hope will be a help to you. You can find them there on your list and, and I hope on your handout. I hope that help you. You ought to be praying for your church. Pray that it be holy. Pray that it be a church full of outreach. Pray there in Ephesians chapter 1. You can put that on your list. You ought to be praying for your family. Ephesians 5, 22 through chapter 6, verse 4. <clears throat> this is one of those things, man. Man, you ought to be praying. You're praying generationally. You'd be praying for your nieces and nephews. You ought to be praying for your spouse, your spouse to come. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, asking God to work in their hearts and in your heart, and it's characterized that way. Pray for your relationships. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. You're asking God to help you to deal with people in such a way that you forgive them and that you treat them according to kindness and that you show them that way. One of the things I figured out, <coughs> the only thing you need to be offended is another person. Either you're one doing it or they're doing it to you. And to live under the Spirit of God is to learn to forgive. Forgive proactively, forgive, forgive reactively when it's done to you, but you choose to do this because God has forgiven you. So some of that, excuse me, so much of that you need and I need to pray about. You need to pray when you're in battles. Put on the whole armor of God, he says, you need to pray for workers. For the work of the ministry, for the work of the ministry. Everywhere I go, every person I talk to, they all say the same thing. Man, we don't have enough. We don't have enough volunteers. Whatever happened with C-19, we've lost volunteers. We can't get volunteers. We can't do that. We can't do this ministry. We can't do that. We, we are just struggling. <coughs> we are struggling. Some places out west, I don't hear that as much. But east coast, east coast, Midwest, hear it, hear it so often. Of course, sickness, it runs around. And it's just... 
man, we need to do that. And I don't know, I don't know if it's lack of training. I don't know if it's lack of emphasis. I, I don't know if it's just narcissism on our part. We want to be served. We want to we just come in and adjudicate and go, oh, that was pretty good service. That was pretty good music. Yeah, uh, that was pretty good. I'll go get some lunch and all instead of, man, I get to be a part of the living organism known as the local church. And I get to do things that honor King Jesus. And whatever I can do, I will gladly be poured out for him. We need to pray for workers. We need to pray for folks to serve. We need to pray for the lost to be saved. I asked you two weeks ago, I asked you again, who's on your list? Who's on your list? Who are you entering into spiritual battle to see them come to Christ? It's easy to be mad at the lost. It's a lot of work to pray for the lost. To pray that God would work in their hearts. And then pray to be controlled by His Spirit. To be controlled by His Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. The idea is being controlled there. I think that's one of the things you ought to pray every day. God, help me to walk in such a way that I am listening to the Spirit of God who is using the Word of God in my life to, act me, to help me to act like I would if Jesus was right here. I can be bold. I can be controlled. I can be temperament. temperament. And when we do this, we do this. My, my impression from the Scriptures is as we learn to pray, as we're characterized this way, there'll be more, there'll be more conviction. There'll, there'll be more conversion. There'll be more decisions, which will make more disciples. More folks that are impacted by the Word will have more influence in the world. And I think that's a great lesson from the weapon of all prayer. So I want to give you just a few things today that will help you. How can I be faithful? How can I faithfully follow the Lord when it's sideways? When it's just, uh, when I help pull somebody out of the ditch and I tear up my bumper? How can I follow the Lord when I did exactly the right thing and, and then they got rid of me and fired me anyway? Because I reported that the guy was stealing stuff. When I'm, doing, when I'm doing the right thing, when, I feel, when I'm faithfully following the Lord the best I can, and it, and it still doesn't, doesn't work out. I'm still terminated from my employment. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still disappointed. I, I did the right thing, and my spouse still left me. I did the right thing, and it still didn't go exactly as I wanted it to. How can I faithfully follow the Lord when life gets difficult? Have you ever, you ever contemplated that, by the way? How many of you know somebody, when life got difficult, that was one of the first things that went, was there following the Lord. Well, God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. This didn't go how I thought it should have gone. And I'm out. And I'm out. And their hurt feelings turned into a departure and callousness. And that's, that's, that's just, that's reality. And that's tricky. So I want to help us today. Is that okay if we do that? Let me give you a few principles. Can I, can I do that this morning? Say amen. And do this more. Number one, realize that doing right will involve persecution. Realize that doing right will involve persecution. You may suffer for doing well. First Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults, will you take it patiently or enduring? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it and you bear up under, this is acceptable with God. You may suffer for doing it. I think sometimes we... We don't paint that picture. I used to joke about it, and they still get, they put those signs back up on, a, on Oak Ridge Highways. Lose weight, get in shape, $10 a month. I used to joke and say, I'll give you $12. Uh, man, if that's all it is, right? Some of us in here that look like I do, we give them $20, right? If that's all it is, man, if it's an exchange of funds, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'll, even, I'll, I'll give you $10 a week, you know? I'll come up, I'll hand you the cash while I'm eating a donut. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's what they mean, right? They just mean... It's $10 to have access 
to doing that. Well, I'm not as interested in that. I'm, I'm kind of joking here. I'm not as interested in that. And we sometimes say, Jesus wants to be your best friend, and who wants to go to heaven? Me. Well, good, good. You can expect persecution and suffering for doing what's right. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Sometimes you do what I try. You're, in, excuse me, you're inviting persecution. First Peter 3, verse 17, is better if the will of God is so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. That's why I rejected. The whole time I was sick and in treatment, I just rejected this whole idea that I was, I was suffering for any other reason than I was a child of Adam. I wasn't suffering because I was preaching. I wouldn't be being beaten because I took some big stand and all. <coughs> I was just a guy <coughs> who got really sick, and I had this opportunity, hopefully, to praise the Lord in the middle of all of that. You, you be really careful here. Be really careful. I know folks, man, who are kind of jerky. Anybody know any folks who are jerky or maybe a jerkette? Uh, you know? And then when, it, when life isn't really good to them, they're just, and they got the persecution mindset. No, no, people are mad with you because you're, you're ugly. You're mean. You, you're, kind of, you're, kind of, you're kind of this way. And uh, don't blame God. Don't blame persecution for that. It's just on you. You're the one who did this. You're the one who did this. The problem is the person in the mirror. Sometimes, though, it is God's will that we do what? We suffer for doing well. 1 Peter 4, 19, Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God. Sometimes it's God's will you and I endure hardship. That's just it. That's just it. We like this. We like this. We take too much from uh, K-Love and his radio. We take too much of our teaching <coughs> from the guys on TV and the people on YouTube or whatever, that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, fat, and, and, and all these kind of things, or, or, or liberal, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and that sounds really good. And, you know, and the guy with the big teeth down in uh, Texas or Oklahoma, wherever he's at, and he's got the little mantra that he says, you know, God wants you this, God wants you that. It's a nice little rhyme, man, but you won't find it in the Bible. The reality is you may be as close as you can be to Jesus in everything going sideways. And you suffer for doing well. Doing what's right involves persecution. You may suffer for doing well. You should know there's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to discipleship. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, And he said to them all, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This, by the way, in the last hundred years, 75 years, this message got replaced in the pulpits of America. I don't know how, I don't know why, it just, it just did. This used to be how you call people to Christ. You want to follow Christ, take up your cross. You want to follow Christ, <coughs> take up your cross. I, I, don't, I don't know if the con condensation of things, as we moved into radio, uh, I, I know there was a big deal in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, TV stations were even going after local pastors and things. They wanted them to be able to, to say stuff, and they, they wanted to have a program. I don't know if in the economy of things, I don't know if it's the influence of different kinds of things. I don't know exactly, but to say, you know, invite Jesus in your heart and him save all your problems, you, you just will not find that in the Bible. You just won't find it in the Bible. Come after me. Follow me. It may be the inconvenience of reading the Scripture. I'm, I'm stunned. Other believers, man, it costs them house and home and separation from family. Him and Patel, we're still trying to schedule and get him here. Him and, him and his family had a funeral for him when he would not renounce Christ. The last time he saw his father was in a casket. Certain point, he finally did see his grandchildren. 
that when he would not renounce Christ, it cost him everything as far as a family relationship. So we need to understand that. You need to understand that false teachers lie about this. They just lie. Well, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't be sick. Well, I believe you're wrong. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek. No, the, the scripture says very, very differently there. <coughs> that, that physical health and physical wealth <coughs> are not necessarily anywhere close to a sign of my faith and hardship. And you need to pray this away in, in, the, in the, the, the deliverance movement that's become so very popular in parts of our country and in, in eating up parts of, a, uh, parts of Asia and different places there. That every bad thing comes in your life is associated with a demon. <clears throat> I, I am thousand percent believing we downplay the work of Satan and his activity in our world. I just, I just am. I just am because it unnerves people. But I, I got news for you. The fact you woke up with a crick in your back just may be you're old. You may not have the demon of spinal problems. You with me? And to sensationalize things, to get people all hooked and worked up, it's just an error. It's just absolutely an error. Now, I've got news for it. I've been preaching before, and there are a bunch of lost people in the room, and, 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 it, and it turned the chill on my body. As I felt like, man, I am now preaching, I am now preaching in concrete. And everything that could go wrong was going wrong in the service. And folks that really needed to hear the gospel are now all of a sudden distracted. I preach and I believe the hand of God, the moving of God, the anointing of God, whatever you want to call it, is working through the message and through the service and the first notes played on the piano and it's like all the air went out of the room. I absolutely believe there's spiritual battle. I absolutely believe there's satanic forces. I absolutely believe I've dealt with some. I've encountered some. I know I have in other countries that were fairly obvious to everyone in the group. I, I, I absolutely understand that. But you just may be a child of Adam, and you have a bad tooth. You don't have the demon of dentistry. And you may need to quit eating out six nights a week, and your finances might improve. Nod your head if you're with me. False teachers lie about this. They're predators, typically. What do they do? They go to 20-something-year-old young couples, scared to death, can't figure out anything. They say, you need to send your seed money here. They prey on older people, fixed income, got their life savings. They convince them. They convince them, man, if you do this, you get somebody who's backed up in the hospital. It's day three or four in the ICU. They do anything to get that person in the ICU. They flip on the TV. They flip on the radio, and they say, if you do this today, we pray over this handkerchief and send it to you, and you lay that on the person, and they'll get well predatory. False teachers lie. So much I can say about that. Write this reference down. I need to move on. 2 Peter 2, 18 and 19. 2 Peter 2, 18 and 19. False teachers lie. Number two. Number two, you still with me? Say amen. Recognize the real need. Recognize the real need. If you're going to faithfully follow Jesus when life is difficult, when there's suffering, recognize the real need. Acts chapter 28. Paul writing there, he's writing to, uh, to the Colossians, he's writing to the Ephesians here. He's in the hired house of the book of uh, Philippians. We, we looked at that uh, last year. We recognize the real name. He's writing there, and he talks about what, man? I am in chains. I get a new guard every 12 hours, and I am preaching, and some of, and some of Caesar's household salute you. Aren't we upset when things don't go our way? We're embarrassed. 
some of you, some of you know this. Some of you know this. Uh, four or five weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, I, I uh, <coughs> there's, there's two kinds of services at Hardin Valley. If you can edit this out, that'll be good. But just if not, let it roll. There's two kinds of services. There's the services where I remember to not take my heart pill, my fluid pill, before I come to service, and the services where I take it. So how do you know? Because I've made about nine trips down the hall. And depending on when I take it, I may make a trip down there right before service starts or even after the service starts and all. Some of you are going, okay, I got a new game. I can play watching the preacher. That's fine. About, again, about five or six weeks ago, I made one of those fast trips down there. I'm booking to get, I'm booking to get in and booking to get back. And whatever I did, man, I broke, I broke my pants. I broke the zipper. And so I went to women in the hallway. Do you have a safety pin? Because every woman I know has a bobby pin and a safety pin. What well, bobby pins are not on the floor for me to step on and get sucked up into the vacuum. They, you have some. And I ran into no one who had anything that could help me. And so I had two options. One, I could not preach. Or two, I could preach and just keep moving, hoping nobody would catch me. Oh, but nobody catch me. And I'm doing like this, man. And I'm so self-conscious. And I'm sitting there, man, and I'm tempted to go, Lord, why did you do this? And I was like, man, I'm not going to blame the Lord on that. I just got old britches. It's okay. It wasn't any demon of the seamstress world who did this. My real need wasn't to be uncomfortable in the pulpit. Some of you are chuckling. Some of you are going, I remember that. I remember that. You looked weird. And... Uh, some of you are I mean, the real needs people to hear the gospel. The real need lost people. The real needs not, real needs not wasn't for me to get my eyebrows and eyelashes back and, uh, and my hair back, man. It's, the real need is for them. Understand. Understand, it's not about your my discomfort. It's not about your suffering. It's not exactly, it's not just about, excuse me, not just about your suffering, not just about your situation, not just about your circumstances. How do we know when it's focused on us? Because we do these things. We complain. We whine. We compare. Well, so-and-so didn't have that. So-and-so didn't have the other. You ever had somebody, you ever had somebody talking to you, you know, and, and they're sizing up your story to see how it measures up with theirs? We compare. We bargain. We bargain. God, if you'll just do this. Just do this. I'll do that. Or we want normalcy. Let me help you. Normalcy is what's going on right now. The past is a memory. That's not normal. Normalcy is right now. Right now. You make whatever's going on. Lord, I need grace for today. I need mercy for today. The real needs are the spiritual needs of those around you. And I don't think we believe that. Because what suffering typically does for us, you still with me? Suffering drives us inward. Suffering Hardship, difficulty ought to drive us outward. That's what Paul says. You pray for me, I'm an ambassador in bonds. That I could declare the mystery of Christ. Suffering and trouble ought to do two things. Suffering and trouble ought to cause the saved to grow and trust. It ought to cause the lost to repent and trust God. Hardship ought to do that. Ought to do that. Yeah, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for your family that's in the hospital. I'm going to pray for your child that's sick. I'm going to pray for your marriage. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for those things, but I'm going to pray for the real needs that you have, and that is for you to come to Christ or you to get close to Christ. 
Because if God fixes all your problem and you're still far from him, you didn't get deal with the real need, did you? He says, recognize the real need. Recognize the real need. You still with me? <clears throat> Relish your current role. I just got in the habit with alliteration on this one. Relish your current role. He says, I'm an ambassador in bonds. I'm an ambassador in bonds. Bill, Bill had, a, a, you had a, you had a co-worker or maybe somebody, somebody bought a car or something. So somebody asked you, what do you do for a living? Said, said, I live for Jesus, right? I live for Jesus. That, that's your real role. real role. Whatever you get paid to do, but your real role is to live for Jesus. Relish your current role. Wherever I'm at, wherever I'm at. Once I figured out, man, that the folks that were tied to me in the hospital or, or in, in, the, in the ER or something, man, man, they got to be there and, and all this is going on. And I can talk to them about the Lord, Lord, I, I, I hesitate sometimes to talk about things. I've got people trying to pull it out of me, and I'm just going to lean into it because I get to brag on Jesus. Relish your current role, parent, grandparent, in work, out of work. Life was going easy. Life is hard. Whatever it is, relish your current role. Brandon yesterday said, hey, i got to leave quickly. i got to get to work. But I told my boss I already had the obligation. I'm supposed to be at Bible study. And they kind of said, and they looked at me, but, but I understand, man, i got to do this if it costs me something because this is important. And it's going to give me an opportunity that relish your current role, whatever that looked like. I gave you a quote there. I hope you'll keep it. God has allowed, or the allowed or caused is the type of there, caused this to take place in my life, the lives of others, to bring Him glory and them salvation. If you'll look at life through that lens, you'll, you'll be a lot further along to faithfully following Jesus when life gets hard. He's allowed this, or he's caused this. We don't know. We won't know the side of glory. I don't know. He's obligated to tell us once we get to him. What? Him get glory? That's Romans 8, 28. <clears throat> and him, them to bring him salvation. If I be lifted up, that's the cross, I will draw all men to myself. And how you and I act in particular when life is difficult, when things are sideways, when no good deed goes unpunished. Man, we can relish that. God has never wasted a tear. He has, he has never ignored your exasperated sigh. That's why we pray, by the way. I think it's on purpose. On purpose. You do this, verse 19, and for me. Circumstances don't change your calling. Circumstances don't change your calling. Number four, request specific prayer. If life is tough, request prayer. If things are sideways, request prayer. There's no verse in the Bible that tells you to be a good British citizen and have a stiff upper lip. Nor, every time you get a paper cut, uh, you set up a GoFundMe. I don't think either one of those is, 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 is workable. And I, I say that, that tongue-in-cheek there. I say that tongue-in-cheek. A <coughs> uh, lady reached out to me the other day, wanted, wanted, wanted me to help buy her hair extensions. And when I wouldn't do it, I didn't love Jesus. If anybody's getting hair extensions, it's the, it's the obese man. And, uh, but anyway, so, I'm, I'm teasing. So, not really, but I'm teasing. And that really did happen. I'm not exaggerating any of that. not exaggerating any of that. And, uh, and so, we're, we're there. Brandon, what would you think? So, some toupees or some dreads? And, uh, and so, so that, would, uh, that, would, that would not be a good thing. When you, when you understand this, when you understand these kind of things, you request specific prayer. He requests specific prayer. He says, pray for me with boldness. Pray for me that the gospel go out. Evangelism. What, whatever that is. I, I think it's well to do that. 
well to do this. Will you pray for me? Pray for me. I, I'm struggling. Pray for me. Pray for me. I, I'm, not, I'm not used to doing life alone. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm still hurting. My spouse left. Pray for me. I'm, I'm nervous about my job situation. Pray for me. I'm, 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 I'm concerned about my children. Pray for me. That's not weakness. That's biblical. Request specific prayer. Request specific prayer. Paul, the apostle, the missionary, the ambassador, the in bonds, in chain. He said, pray for me, pray for me about these areas. Pray for me about these areas. And if you get asked to do that, then take out a piece of paper, take out your phone, whatever, write it down and pray for them. And then let them know you are praying for them. You want to encourage somebody who's trying to faithfully follow Jesus, let them know I'm in the ditch with you. I'm praying for you. I love you. Henry, Henry said just, <clears throat> when he was here, he, he said something just so profound. He said he remembered the last day he got a card about his wife's passing, and he was wounded because he didn't think anybody cared anymore, and, and it hurt and it pricked his heart. You can be that to somebody. You can help them along their way. We love you. We're praying for you. I'm in this with you. If you request it, then we get to pray for them. By the way, it'll help you faithfully follow Jesus, too. And you're not just trying to make sure that you don't get, <coughs> that you're, you know, you're trying to walk in the rain and not get wet. You, you, may, you may have to get wet with some people. I had a, a professor years ago. He said one of the most heinous things he'd ever heard was a man's home is his castle. He had my attention. There was about 60 of us in the class. He said, homes are to be a teaching place. They're to be a proving ground. They're to be a sanctuary. He said, sure. He said, but they are to be a hospital. New Testament, Old Testament homes were places of hospitality. They were places where people were welcome. They were places of spiritual instruction. They were places where the dad didn't come home to rest, but the dad realized that it was a place for him to train up the next generation. And this is what he got to do. He said this whole thing, that it's about going and doing important things, then coming home and relaxing and, and eating, eating my meal in front of the TV and checking out. And, man, he went down the road. It didn't have anything to do with the lesson, but, man, I remember it 30 years later. Let God work in your heart and your life so as you're involved in the lives of others, as they request specific prayer, you pray for them. You pray for them. As we conclude today, we'll hear from, we'll hear from our missionaries. You get to hear from Ed and Rachel. And then I want you, as we have that concluding prayer, you bow your head and pray for them. They're in Champaign, Illinois, number five. Remember to comfort those that are struggling. I'm done. Comfort those that are struggling. You still got your Bibles open? Still got your Bibles, your tablets, your phones open? Look in chapter 6. Look in chapter 6. Look back. Look back at verse 21. It says, You may know my affairs. He's not being uber spiritual. He's not, he's not being, nothing bothers me. He's not being, you know, this has not been difficult. And he's not saying, I don't, I don't want any of you, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I've got... Jesus and the Holy Spirit and everything's okay, like a robot. But I, that you may know my affairs and how I do. Uh, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister and Lord, shall make known to you all things. He's going to give you an update. He's going to let you know. He got a, 
He got a couple of Instagram pictures. He got a little TikTok of me, you know, in between the guards. Uh, I'm joking. He didn't have anything. He's going to let you know I'm doing. He's going to tell you how I look. He's going to tell you if I'm eating okay. He's going to tell you if I'm sleeping okay. You know, I've asked for the scrolls. I've asked for the cloaks. It's going to be cold where I'm at. He's going to tell you how I'm feeling about getting in front of the emperor and whether I'm nervous or not. He's going to do this. Because sometimes when you're going through it, you're struggling. Nod your head if you understand that. Sometimes the people around you are struggling. Because they got in your head somewhere. Man, if you just live for Jesus, everything's going to always be just like you ordered it. Don't be any detours. You're not going to tear up your transmission pulling a stranger out of a ditch. You're not going to loan somebody some money and then they never pay it back. You're not going to do the right thing and have your family in church and still things go sideways. Sometimes folks just struggle. Comfort them. Comfort them. Whatever your personality is, comfort them according to your personality. If you're a hugger, hug them. If you're a texter, text them. If you're a card person, do that. If you're a meal person, do that. Let them know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm caring for you. We live in impersonal, closed off world. We share everything too much online. So we're intimate with very few. Comfort them. Comfort them. That's what he says. I'm sending you this good brother. Verse 22 at the end. And that he might comfort your hearts. See, I talked about real grown-up, Bible-fed. If you're not real careful, you go, okay, well, but, but I'm really struggling. I'm struggling emotionally. I'm struggling you know, I'm not eating, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm nervous. Well, I must not be real spiritual. Well, if you're not real spiritual, these people weren't either. These people are very normal. They need comfort. They need comfort. I don't know where we got in our head that it was wrong to ask for help. I don't know where we got in our head. Hey, can I talk to you? I don't want to be a bother. What, what bother are you? If you need comfort, I can point you to the God of all comfort. I can talk to you about the Holy Spirit who is the great comforter. I can show you some scripture. More than that, I can just sit with you. There was presence, right? He was coming to them. It was the letter to the church at Ephesus, and it was the messenger. Flesh and blood. I love you. I'm sorry. We'll do this together. Remember to comfort those that are struggling or to ask for comfort if you are struggling. Here are five things, five ways I think we can faithfully follow the Lord when life is difficult. I think they're five key principles. Don't forget, don't forget, we're interested in the spread of the gospel, but then in the middle of all that, there are people, different levels, different phases, different emotional responses. Man, we get to comfort them. 
we get to comfort them. Pray with me right now. Our heads are bowed. Just a little past time. <clears throat> Say, preacher, would you pray for me? There's difficulty in my life. Difficulty in my life. I don't only want to handle it the right way, but I, I need the Lord's help right now. I need the Lord's help. Would you pray for me? Just thank you.